0: Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Welcome to Drop Pass Podcast. It is great to see you, buddy. I hope that you are doing well. And if not, I hope that you will feel much, much better after this hockey therapy session. And that I can shift some of my energy to you within the next 60 minutes or so. Because as you can probably tell, there's some real excitement in the air because of the NHL postseason, which is about to start later today. Therefore, it is finally time to check which 16 teams ended up making it to the Spring Dance and what the first-round matchups look like when heading towards the most exciting event of the entire calendar year. We will go over each first-round matchup with detail, touch upon the biggest X-factors of each battle, and at the end, I will also give my yearly playoff predictions, so stay with me until the end to hear a whole lot of jinxing And honestly, due to last year's somewhat successful bracket, I now have some pressure on my back, so hopefully we can keep this trick going, and I can add another notch to my hockey resume. Also I finally got the new setup up and running, so hopefully you can notice a small difference in the sound quality as well, but with that being said, we are pretty well established for this week's adventure, so if you are a returning visitor on this show, or even if this is your first time here. Make sure to let all your friends, relatives, and even hookups know what this show is all about, so that we can keep growing this community of ours. And finally, before we move on, leave a 5-star rating for the podcast if you think that the Leafs are starting their golf season after the first round matchup yet again. DJ, roll out the intro. Without further ado, let's get going. And just like that, we start to inhale the playoff atmosphere just like it is supposed to be. And first and foremost, before we move to playoff talk, as always, we need to cover the most recent headlines from across the pond. So, in short, we are going to touch upon the big milestones that were shattered within the past few weeks. Check out the drama curve from the final few regular season games, as well as go over some big changes that happened within the Blue Jackets, Penguins, Capitals... Hawks and Sabres organizations. So first of all, when it comes to the pre-playoff drama, pretty much the playoffs started few nights prior to the end of the regular season for a few teams, as the Flames and the Jets were neck in neck until the final few straws in the West, but because Daryl Sutter and his bunch ended up dropping the ball at the final meters against the Preds, the Jets secured their spot in the postseason and the Flames moved on to the country club as a result. And what caused the most drama in that game was Sutter, who decided to throw in Nick Ritchie as the deciding shooter to close out the win for the Flames but He missed his chance, Michael Backlund followed him up, and eventually Tommy Novak put the last nail in Flames coffin by putting the puck in the back of the net as the 8th shooter in the 4th round. And honestly, Richie's try wasn't that bad and was close to going in, but I fully understand the criticism and noise it created since Suter has been in Flames fans' class throughout the entire year. And leaving there this year's best player Tyler Foley on the sidelines alongside other top players such as Andrew Mangiapane and Elias Lindholm needs some attention. And now them being out of the playoff picture, it creates a question if Brad Living will be willing to reshape the scenery due to Extremely underwhelming season results-wise. Some players have also anonymously presented their disinterest in being part of the team if they don't end up chasing the bench boss this summer, but I just can't imagine anyone who's under a contract leaving the team because of that specific condition. It's a job after all, and more often than not, you do not have the control over the fact who is your subordinate. I fully understand if he has created some friction between the leadership group and the players with his decisions. In the East, the Pens, Isles and the Cats were fighting for the final two tickets for the playoffs and in the end, this season became to be significant since last time both Ovi and Seed were not in the playoffs was back in 2006. So specifically, 16 seasons ago, which is pretty wild to be honest. And additionally, last time the Devils Rangers and the Islanders were all in the playoffs was back in 2007, so in that light, some could say that we've turned the next page of NHL eras. Panthers took six straight wins to secure their spot in the postseason, meanwhile the Isles took their deciding game against the Habs by a score of 42 on their home ice and advanced to the postseason ahead of the experienced Penguin squad. Penguins took a massive L on the home ice against the bottom feeder Blackhawk squad, which ended up being the final straw in their playoff hopes, and which also leads them to a massive offseason where they need to rethink their strategy for next year. As the bunch gets another year older, and as many of their guys become UFAs at the end of the season, likes of Dumoulin, Jari, Heinen, and Zugersol, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of a turnover are we going to see in the summer on the player front. Especially now that their ownership group decided to fire their entire front office trio of president of Hockey Ops Brian Burke, GM Ron Hextall, and his right-hand man Chris Pryor. And there's already been rumors about Carl Dubes heading into Steel City after another playoff blunder. Sorry Leafs fans. But until we get there, I'm not going to say anything more than that but what I'm going to say is that desperation is really starting to creep into Pittsburgh because, first of all, adding those two names to lead the organization already showed big signs of that. And second of all, their recent trades only amplify that fact even more. Because if we go over the list of players that they've lost within the last two years, Teddy Bluger, Brock McGinn, Mike Matheson, John Marino, Jack Aston Reese, Sam Lafferty and Kasperi Kapanen, well, you might as well throw in Jared McCann, who they dealt away before the expansion draft, compared to who they've gotten in return. Ty Smith, whose trajectory hasn't necessarily skyrocketed since being traded to Pennsylvania. Jeff Petrie and Ryan Paling, who have brought some value for the organization, but I wouldn't say that they've been any game-breaking talents on the roster. Mical Granlon deal has already started to weigh on the team's cap and which was the main topic of discussion within the other GMs of the league because of the return they gave up. Plus veteran Nick Bonino, who returned to Pittsburgh to only play in three games, so I think you start to get the point that I'm trying to make here. The bright side here is that you at least got to keep Letang and Malkin in Steel City, but at what price? And other than that, I wouldn't say that there have been many big W's on the roster front by any means. So just like I said, I'm very intrigued by their situation because they know that they must assemble a competitive team as long as Sid plays there, so we could see a lot of action from their behalf, of course, depending on who's going to take the reins next, but at least I'm expecting to see a dramatic offseason for the Pens filled with trades and major headlines. We also ended up witnessing few major milestones getting broken last week, which includes some individual performances as well as overall team achievements. First, Joe Pavelski joined the glorious 1,000-point club after he scored his 449th goal against the Detroit Red Wings. Meanwhile, Sid The Kid recorded his 1500, point in the NHL and this way became only the 15th player in the league history to reach that mark ahead of his main competitor Alex Ovechkin, who now is only 16 points away from becoming the 16th member of that elite bunch. Ovi's also just 73 goals away from passing the great one in the all-time scoring lead, so by the looks of it, he still has at least two years remaining until he can hang up his skates and call it a day, so despite the fact that Caps have already started to make some changes to their next year's roster, he's going to be the one constant in that equation and their front office will certainly try to add names to his side who will support him in that objective while trying to get the team back to the playoffs after a one-year absence. New Jersey's Jack Hughes also broke a long-standing record this year as he became the Devils' highest scoring player in a single season with 97 points. And I mean, he has just been outstanding this year and one of the biggest reasons why the Devils made their return to the postseason after a four-year drought. Meanwhile, in Arizona, Clayton Keller ended up tying the franchise single season point record as he recorded his 86th point of the season against the Canucks earlier last week. Unfortunately though, that ended up being the last point of his season, so next year he will have another go at becoming the record holder. But despite that, we can say with confidence that he had an underrated season in Desert and will be one of the main names in their entire rebuilding process. And while we're on the topic, I just cannot leave unnoticed the fact that Eric Carlson just broke the 100-point mark and became only the sixth defenseman in the league history to accomplish that. Brian Leach was the last name to do that back in 1992, so, simply put, EK65 turned back the clock, continued where he left off back in 2017, and made the younger guys look foolish on his side with his scoring. Even Kale McCarr, despite how ridiculous that might sound. And you know, if you would have said two or three years ago that Carlson would put up 100 points for the Sharks in a single season, I would have probably sent you straight to the closest psychiatric unit with a one-way ticket and told the nurses to lock you up for the rest of your days, but somehow that is just a cold hard reality and he really got back to the league's elite with his performance. And quite honestly, he didn't even get as much attention that he would have deserved due to San Jose's atrocious season. So, in my opinion, it would be a crime against humanity if he gets left out of the hard conversation because you can't ask for much more from him. And like I said, only five players in the entire league history have been able to accomplish that. So, I think there are a few very good reasons why he should deserve the extra credits from his this year's NHL campaign. And so do the Boston because they broke another NHL record last week as they became the first team in the NHL history to reach 63 wins in a season, so it is almost an understatement to say that they had a dominant NHL regular season, and because of it, head to the postseason with the best odds to win the Stanley Cup, gambling-wise, of course. Everything just clicked for them this year, older players were able to push the necessary volume out of their engines, and even bigger injuries at the start of the year couldn't hold them back so. It's almost terrifying to think what this team could accomplish if they end up keeping up this momentum, and honestly I feel bad for the Panther squad who just sneaked into the playoffs, and as a treat, get to face this juggernaut in the very first round. But once again, I need to remind you that the playoffs are a completely different animal to NHL regular season. And like we've seen through the past few years, once the puck drops for the first time for playoff hockey, nothing what you have achieved in the regular season matters anymore. And so many President's Trophy winners have bit the dust in the first round, partially of course because of the so-called curse, while on the other hand, because every team realizes that you need to win 16 games in order to hoist the cup. No matter of the opposition, and more than anything, that every team starts from the same line with a clean slate. So that is exactly what makes this event so damn intriguing. There is nothing quite like this, because even though the NBA uses almost the same playoff format, we all know how ridiculously one-sided those first-round matchups are that it really doesn't even make sense to compare these two, but there's no doubt about the fact that bees are one of the strongest groups heading into the playoffs, thanks to their experienced lineup and the momentum that they will carry from the regular season itself. A few more names were also added to the official 100-point club alongside Carlsen before all games were played, which were Mikko Rantanen, who became the third Finn to ever reach 100 points in a single season, and Vancouver's Elias Pettersson, who as well had an outstanding year with the struggling Canucks organization. Meanwhile, on the goal-scoring front, the five names that eventually ended up having more than fifty talks were Connor McDavid and David Pasternak with sixty goals or more, plus Mikko Rantanen, Leon Draisaitl, and Braden Point was the last addition to the plus fifty goal club. So all in all. As you can see, the top guys were really off the chains this year and we ended up witnessing a historical year in many ways, so Like I said in the previous episode, this is exactly one of the reasons why I'm so hyped up for the playoffs, because we already got this kind of a regular season with so many storylines, milestones and whatnot, so who in their right mind would expect that to change for worse when the toughest games of the year start? Yeah, I have no clue either, so All I can say is that this year's regular season really delivered with every little detail, so let's just hope that we get to witness an even bigger spectacle than last year, which is pretty hard to beat, but not exactly impossible given the current momentum that the NHL is having. Last week, Devils' highly touted prospect Luke Hughes also got his first taste of NHL action, and boys, a future Norris winner has officially entered the league, let me be 100% clear. His elusiveness is something special to watch and honestly a guy of his size shouldn't be able to skate and handle the puck the way he does and if you saw the goal he scored, you know exactly what I'm talking about. In the overtime, he just took the entire Caps trio out for a cup of coffee and sneaked a wraparound in the back of the net and what makes it even funnier is the fact that it looked like he had been doing that for years. No hesitation whatsoever, just silky smooth operating with ice in his veins, so just think what this kid will do once he gets more games under his belt. Best comparison I could come up with is the current day Rasmus Dallin's elusiveness and skating mixed into Victor Hetman's body, so the Devil's team became just that much more exciting to watch, and I can't wait for the future highlight reels featuring both Hughes brothers simple as that. And I know personally that at least one guy has been tugging his rope for the entire year, and since there seems to be no end in sight to their flight, he better start asking around for lotion collapse or otherwise next year could become really painful for him very, very fast. So warm greetings to Scotland. The Anaheim Ducks ended up securing the best odds for the upcoming NHL entry draft by losing 13 games at the end of the year. And if there still happens to be someone who thinks that Bedman was serious when he said that, there are no tanks in the NHL, you gotta check yourself because there's been only a handful of times when a team has tanked as hard as the Ducks did just this past year. Like their MBT went across all possible terrains in. Every weather, destroyed enemy tanks on the way, and was even able to ditch few surplus pieces from their armor. So, in that sense, it was an extremely successful operation as a whole. Chicago's and Columbus's main battle tanks were good competitors, but not good enough to beat Anaheim's newest Abrams model. And I guess sometimes in life, when you take enough else, you end up finding the winning ticket, and in this case, that could end up being the case, which is somewhat questionable, but that's just the way the league operates, unfortunately. And while speaking of the Ducks, I might as well add in the fact that the Blue Jackets and Capitals, ended up booting their head coaches Dallas Eakins, Brad Larson and Peter Laviolette a few days ago, so we are going to see some serious changes on the coaching front again this summer. Eakins spent eight years with the Ducks organization, so in a way you got a feel for the guy, because Although the results haven't been what everyone could have hoped for, he's been a name that has been well-liked amongst the players and has seen their next generation of talents growing into NHL players and now that the handover of power is in progress, for the next generation of Ducks, he needs to step aside and follow their progress from the sidelines for the rest of the way. But undoubtedly, this has to be a sign for their next operation which will be becoming relevant again and it starts with winning and revitalizing your leadership group So. Now that half of that has been done, the question will be how long is it going to take until they take the next step regarding the other aspect in question. In this case, pretty much only time will tell that story, so we will stay put and follow their progress closely because it's going to be another big year draft-wise for the organization, so we'll see how quickly they will be able to make long-lasting and especially concrete changes in California. Brad Larsen's journey behind the Blue Jackets bench came to its end after two full seasons, and quite honestly, I don't know what the motivator for this decision ended up being because we all know how many injuries the Jackets dealt with this season, so to me it is a bit odd that they decided to relieve Larsen from their head coaching role, and the only reasonable explanation I can find to this situation is that their GM Jarmoke Kälänen saw a better replacement for him and due to it was willing to part ways with the coach that has been in their system since 2014. On the other hand, when it comes to Caps and Peter Laviolette, I get that they are in the brink of a big change and wanted a fresh voice to the locker room for at least the following year, and since their current campaign can be seen as a major letdown for the franchise, I fully understand why he was relieved from his duties, but... I'm more than sure that he will find another gig somewhere else, maybe even before the next campaign starts. So, a lot of movement on the coaching front as well, which isn't that surprising given that we didn't see as many firings during the regular season as some could have predicted. And the last two stories I want to point out before we move on to playoff talk involve NHL veterans Craig Anderson and Jonathan since. Before Buffalo's last home game against the Senators, it was announced that the 20-year NHL vet Anderson was going to hang up his pads and end his career after 700 NHL games. And I gotta say that his career was quite a remarkable one since not that many current netminders last that long in such a competitive league, and especially when you take into consideration the other battles that he has had to face in his career, it makes it just that much more impressive. And quite truthfully, new age NHL fans don't most likely recognize how good he was back in his heydays. Because when he played for the Senators between 2011 and 2020, he had only two sub save percentage seasons, while most of them were somewhere around the 0.915 to 0.920 mark so. If you just thought that he has been a career long backup, you are critically wrong and in my opinion he should earn more credit for his NHL career than what he's got. To this point. So, all you newcomers, check out the stats. They don't usually lie, and big congrats to Anderson for his long and hard fought NHL journey. And lastly, if you are a Hawks fan and haven't paid any attention to the newest headlines, I got some more bad news for you because Blackhawks GM Carl Davidson put out an announcement ahead of their last regular season game, saying that this was going to be their captain Jonathan Taves' last year in the NHL with the Hawks. It is still unclear if Captain Sirius is still aiming to play in the NHL next year, because a few weeks prior, rumors spread around the league about his possible retirement due to long COVID symptoms, so more than likely, Taves will take some time to consider his future now that his deal is coming to its end, and before the next season starts, we will know exactly what his plans are for the future, and if they end up being still in the NHL with another organization, or if he's going to pull out from the sport completely and start to focus on his family and overall health. But regardless, he's had an amazing tenure in Chicago and has been everything that they could have asked for after being drafted third overall back in 2006. He has brought three Stanley Cups to Windy city, capped home one Mark Messier leadership award, one Conn Smythe and one Selke trophy, plus belongs to the notorious Triple Gold Club so... Since he's accomplished pretty much everything a player can on that level, it wouldn't be surprising to see him saying his farewells to the NHL and moving on to focus on things that matter the most in life. And oh yeah, he also ended up scoring a goal in his final game in the Hawks uniform, which was followed by a standing ovation, so... If this ends up being his last time in the United Center, it's one hell of a way to say your goodbyes, but... Until we hear anything official, I'm not going to go any deeper into this matter and hope that he can make a decision that he won't regret, whether it is on the ice or completely away from it. He will get his number 19 race to the rafters regardless, and like I told you in the pre-deadline episode, this will mark the end of an era in Chicago, so the next page has now been officially turned, and unfortunately for Hawks fans, the next couple of years will be painful, but That's exactly how they got their three cups in the first place. So, although it's a tough place to be, it is necessary and one can only hope for a brighter future for this original six franchise. So, just like I said, last week's drama theater really delivered, but now that we've got all that out of our system, it is finally time to check out the final 16 teams that advanced to the playoffs, which ended up being the Boston Bruins, Carolina Hurricanes, Colorado Avalanche, Dallas Stars, Edmonton Oilers, Florida Panthers, Los Angeles Kings, Minnesota Wild, New Jersey Devils, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, Seattle Kraken, Tampa Bay Lightning, Toronto Maple Leafs, Vegas Golden Knights, and finally the Winnipeg Jets. The matchups in the East are going to be first seed Boston Bruins against second wildcard team Florida Panthers. Metro's first seed team, Carolina Hurricanes, goes up against first wild card team, New York Islanders. Atlantic second seed, Toronto Maple Leafs, and the third seed Tampa Bay Lightning, who are aiming to repeat last year's first round matchup. In addition to Metro's second seed, New Jersey Devils, who will face the third seed, New York Rangers. In the West, the first seed Vegas Golden Knights are going to face the second wild card team, Winnipeg Jets. Central's first seed. Colorado Avalanche faces up against the first wildcard team Seattle Kraken. Pacific second seed Edmonton Oilers face the third seed Los Angeles Kings. And finally, Central second seed Dallas Stars go up against the third seed Minnesota Wild. So, very juicy matchups for the first round, and now that we've got our first taste of watch about to come, we will take a short break to prepare ourselves for the final push of this week's episode. So, just like last week, We will hear a few words from our show sponsor, and after that, bite straight into the first round matchup. So grab a drink if you need, or take a leak, whatever floats your boat, and after we hear what kind of benefits DraftKings has on offer for you this week, we won't waste any time and jump straight to the deep end when it comes to playoff hockey. So now, let's hear a word from DraftKings. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. That means big hoops action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Getting on the excitement of every game with a touch of a button. New customers can make a $5 pre-game Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if 13 wins. Plus. Everyone can score a no sweat same game parlay every day during NBA playoffs. Open the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in and place a same game parlay on any NBA game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get a bonus bet back up to $10. Download the app now and sign up with code PHPN. New customers can make a $5 pre-game Moneyline bet and score $150 in bonus bets if their team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in Massachusetts. Call 800 327 5050 or visit gambling ma.org. In New York, call 877 8 Hope NY or text OPENY 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. On behalf of Food Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Starting from the Eastern Conference and first on the board is of course going to be the President's Trophy winning Boston Bruins and after we've dealt with their matchup we will make our way down the list until we've dealt with all 8 matchups and since the fact that the matter is that this series could be over in just 7 days I'm not going to go too in depth per se and we'll try to focus on the meaningful aspects that will play part in each matchup so just like last year. I'll be covering the major events each week so we got a lot to talk about when it comes to playoff hockey and therefore I'm going to keep things fairly short and sweet for you this week. To the first matchup of this year's NHL playoffs. The top team in the league, Boston Bruins, going up against the second wildcard team, Florida Panthers, who just got their tip in and you boys know exactly what I'm talking about. And as a reward for their battle, they get to face the best regular season team in the entire NHL history, so the outlook for this matchup is going to be, well, to put it simply, Florida has nothing to lose and heads to this matchup as the biggest underdog in the playoffs. They've been far from consistent this year and their defense has resembled a pan of scrambled eggs, so It is no coincidence why so many people think that this series will be over in just four games. But the fact of the matter is that they got some momentum on their side and if they end up finding a way to steal one of the first two games away, they could really make a dent to Boston's confidence and sometimes those kinds of events can build a miniature snowball which starts to roll down the hill and cause some serious doubt for the opposition and that could be the weapon that they need in order to accomplish one of the biggest playoff upsets in recent memory. Their goaltending situation, as well, is a major question mark heading into their matchup since carrier long elevator goalie Alex Leon pretty much secured them the spot in the postseason and was in flames within the final games of the regular season. Whereas Bobrovsky has posted mediocre numbers throughout the year and thus has seen more bench than previously in his career, so there's a small, very marginal chance to make it past the first round. And my thinking is that Leon will get the first start and depending on his performance, they will run with the hottest goalie. And we've seen Bob catching fire in the spring before, so they at least have someone to lean on if their shooting star net mother starts to crumble under the puck flood. But honestly, I would be stupid to think that he could carry them to the finals and that is just the cold, harsh reality. Currently, they are missing Sam Bennett from their lineup due to a groin injury and there doesn't seem to be any timetable for his return. And if he isn't in their lineup in this series, it will be a massive blow for the team because we've seen his impact in the postseason in their previous two appearances. Also, Patrick Hönnqvist is already announced to miss the rest of the NHL season, so there's that aspect as well, but I don't see it as a massive loss, especially when compared to Bennett. And what it comes down to most likely is how well can they defend their own net Guys, Bees had the second highest goals for average in the regular season and have offensive firepower on all four lines, so if they head to a scoring race with the Bruins, they are going to get straight up raw dog 9 out of 10 times, and since we only got 7 games max to play, it's not going to be the way to do it, so that shouldn't be in their playbook if they want to win any games. And since keeping their net clean has been their biggest issue this year, I unfortunately don't have that much belief in their success, despite the hot streak that they are currently coming out of. These will have few minor injuries to deal with, as Nick Foligno is currently the name lined out of their roster at least for Game 1, and there is no timetable attached to his return, whereas both Ulmark and Krejci are fighting with some minor injuries themselves, but are expected to suit up once the puck drops for the first time in TD Garden. They had the best penalty kill in the league with outstanding 87.1% efficiency, and their goal saved above expected between their two netminders was 42.4, which was also best in the entire league, so even mathematically, there really isn't much to grab onto if you are a Cats fan. But you always gotta remember that we start from a clean slate and the first game of the series has a bigger impact on the rest of the series than many might think so. Therefore, I'm willing to give a puncher's chance for the Panthers and say that if they are going to make it out of the first round, they need to outbattle the bees, which is already easier said than done, and somehow keep their neck clean, which is almost a joke when you consider the firepower the bees possess, and it will be in seven games, but otherwise... I see only one ending to this matchup, and that will be B's in five. The team is just that damn stacked. And have been so convincing throughout the entire hockey season that it would be stupid to think about any other outcome. They will move on to face either the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Tampa Bay Lightning, but as I said, Boston is my pick in five games. But remember... President's trophy curse is once again lurking in the shadows, so they better keep an eye out for any possible slip-ups. Then we move to most likely the least expected matchup of the first round between Metro's first seed Carolina Hurricanes and the first wildcard team New York Islanders. And although I can already hear you snoring, we will battle through this even how boring it might sound to you. And if you are not a hardcore hockey fan, Why this series is considered to be the most boring, just based on the fact that these two teams are very defensively oriented and responsible two-way teams with low scoring numbers. And when you add to that mix the fact that in the playoffs scoring chances tend to be hard to find and teams start to focus on defense even more, you can understand that we could see legal results such as 2-1, 1-0 and 2-2 and so on. But I would gladly be wrong about this, and I think many of you listening are on the same length as me with this one. But when it comes to this matchup, it has to be one of the more evenly sided matchups in my opinion, because although the Canes finished first in Metro and took their head-to-head matchup in the regular season with three wins to one, they lost a lot of firepower in Andrei Svechnikov and Max Pacioretty, who both are outlined for the playoffs, and Since they already haven't been lighting up the lamp like the Bees have for example, on paper there shouldn't be as big of a difference between these two teams as many could think before the first round starts. Both teams have been elite defensively this year and their penalty kills have been rock solid which leads to a question which team will win the offensive battle when these two defensive juggernauts face. Kane's power play hasn't been anything special this year whereas Isles hold the worst power play percentage amongst all playoff teams, so in the worst case, we could be in for a really long series, which I'm already expecting to see. The big difference separating these two, though, can be found between the pipes, since the Isles have Vesna-level goaltender Ilyas Rockin in their blue paint, who's been snatching berries left and right in the blue paint with 0.924, save percentage, so if he can manage to hold one or two shoutouts in a seven-game series, it could lead to a very positive outcome for the Long Island reps. Meanwhile, the Canes have rotated pretty much their entire trio of Randa under Senegal Chetkov between their pipes with somewhat mediocre results, so the question for them will be, who's going to take the crown to himself, because last year's juggling won't get them any further, I can already promise you that. So as I said, defense is going to be the focal point of this series and the team that is able to find the extra offense will be the team advancing from this matchup. The Canes will try to strangle the Isles with their ferocious forecheck and if they can't get the puck out of their zone, they will be in deep trouble but since the Canes like to use their demon on rush, that could create the counterbalance for the Isles since they are known for their ability to cause turnovers in the neutral zone with their 1-1-3 trap and utilize the odd man rushes to their advantage while otherwise scoring most of the goals near the crease area. So, pretty much, they've been playing playoff hockey since the start of the campaign and are built for postseason hockey. Luckily also, Matt Barzal will be back on the Isles first line, which already showed some great chemistry within the first 10 games after the acquisition of Bo Horvat, and he will be heavily relied upon from the first minute of the first game. Meanwhile Alex Romanov is considered as day today, and Oliver Wallstrom is already ruled out for the postseason. So with all that being said, although I would love to say that the Canes would advance further from the first round, I've made the mistake of burying the Isles in the playoffs and ended up regretting it. So since I know how suffocating they can be on their best, I just feel like the Canes are going to bow down once again. And believe me, I wouldn't want to see that outcome, but For me losing Svechnikov and Pacioretty is just too big of a setback to fight back from, and therefore, Isles in 7 is my prediction for this series. This could really go either way, so I can totally see an outcome where the Canes stomp the Isles, but their recent games haven't been that impressive in my eyes, and given their scoring struggles, I just can't believe that aspect switching on when defenses tighten up more than your girls' legs after your bar tour with the boys. And then we head to probably the most anticipated matchup of the first round, it being the rematch of last year's first round battle between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And boy oh boy, do I have my popcorn ready for this series. Tampa beat Toronto in seven games last year, and we all know Toronto's recent playoff history by now, so... We don't have to go there even how badly my mind wanted to remind us of what it's like to be a Leafs fan, but let's get to the actual details. Toronto took the second place in the Atlantic with 50 wins as the Bulls cruised their way to the third spot and know what they have standing in between them and the Stanley Cup. That is 16 wins and it starts with 4 against Toronto. Leafs as usual were rock solid throughout the regular season and their big guns performed as expected even though Austin Matthews' numbers were not like years prior. And this year yet again, the eyes started to focus on their crease because last summer they acquired Matt Murray and Ilyas Samsonov to take them over the first-round hurdle. So basically, no one is in a bigger spotlight than those two netminders are right from the get-go. Samsonov most likely will start between their pipes and he's had a strong bounce-back season, which brings some hope for the Leafs fans ahead of their first-round matchup. But the spotlight in Toronto is hot, and if you can't perform up to expectations, you will find yourself from the headlines fairly fast, so we'll see how well their nerves hold up once the heat starts to rise in the Scotiabank arena. They also were the big spenders at the deadline and ended up acquiring Eric Gustafsson, Jake McCabe, and Luke Shen to their blue line, in addition to Nola Chari, Sam Lafferty, and Ryan O'Reilly, who are expected to be the difference makers when it comes to one of their biggest weaknesses of past few years, the lack of depth. And I think that their GM, Carl Dubas, nailed those acquisitions because he basically addressed their every glaring weakness depth-wise and was still able to keep things under their cap ceiling, so some credit should already be thrown on its way at this stage of the year, despite the future outcome. But like we all know, the first round ghost is still present inside the Leafs locker room and it doesn't help the situation when you know that you are facing a team that has went to cup finals three years in a row with two cups on their belt, so pretty much most of the hockey world is waiting for the final outcome of this matchup, given the fact that the Leafs are bound to make some big changes if this ends up being another false hope operation. We know the strengths they possess, Offensive firepower from their first two lines and a lethal power play. And now that they've added human wrecking balls such as Shen, Achari and Lafferty to their lineup, they've become that much bigger threat in the East. And it will be on them to end this ridiculous playoff joke. John Tavares took a big hit a couple nights ago and exited the game in the aftermath, so his health is one big question mark heading into their first round matchup. Meanwhile, their veteran D-man, Mark Giordano and goaltender Matt Murray have both been dealing with some sort of undisclosed injuries, but given their depth, I would think that they are going to be alright, even if those two even if those 2 wouldn't be in their starting lineup straight from the first puck drop. Tampa, on the other hand, is going to be without their deadline acquisition, Tanner Janelle, who suffered a lower body injury at the end of the regular season, and will be unavailable for the start of the series, but... Other than that, their lineup looks healthy and ready to take on the Leafs once again on the first round. Their power play is still one of the best in the league, so once again we are going to see a fierce power play battle between these two teams, and they still got most of their core group from the previous cup runs intact, so there really isn't much to speculate about when it comes to their play. They know what it takes to hoist the cup and have showed that in back-to-back-to-back years. And last year, you could clearly sense the toll that those runs had taken, so we'll see if there are going to be any signs of that when they face up for the first time on Tuesday. Kucherov had himself another ridiculously prolific year with plus 100 points to his name. Bread and Point tucked home 50 Genos and overall had an underrated season offensively. Meanwhile, Mikhail Sergachev took the next step in his development and ended up finishing the year as their top blue line producer. And of course, you cannot forget captain Steven Stamkes, Victor Hedman, and their goaltender Andrei Vasilevsky, who has started to bounce back to his elite level. So it's a familiar group that the Leafs are facing in this year's playoffs, and that fact alone should create some fear for their fan base. The biggest question mark for them though is going to be defense since this year it has been lacking quite drastically and the absence of Ryan McDonough has most likely been bigger than expected beforehand so if they can't manage to shut down the Leafs first few forward lines and Vasi has to stand on his head on nightly basis, their playoff journey could come to a quick stop so eyes will be on Nick Berbix, Ian Cole, Eric Chernak and Jack Bogosian. But overall, as I said, it will be an extremely enticing matchup where we are going to see Fierce Battles night in and night out, but who will come on top is a question in which we will get an answer to in just two weeks. And when it comes to my take, prepare yourself because I'm about to drop a bomb on you. The Leafs are going to get past the first round this year. Yeah. I'm fully sober and I'm not under the influence of any medication, so I'll be here to answer all of your questions. Yeah, I might be living in a dreamland because we've seen this all before, but at some point, this just has to come to its end. And I'm convinced that they have what it takes to beat the balls this year, but that's as far as I'll go when it comes to their playoff success. They came really, really close already last year and were one goal away from advancing to the second round, so with their newest additions, I think they are ready to take the next step, but the pressure is certainly going to be on their top names. Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, and Riley, who at times tend to fade into the crowd when the pressure is on, so they really need to show some credit in order to change that view. And of course, their goaltenders... Or at least the present starter is going to be under the microscope, but I gotta say that if I see any signs of any mental breakdown or lapse, I will throw this prediction right in the gutter and wish nothing but the best for their next adventure, because at that point, pretty much all hope is lost, at least on my part. But Leafs in 7 is going to be my bold prediction from this matchup. And then we make our way to the last matchup of the Eastern Conference featuring Metro's second seed New Jersey Devils and the third seed New York Rangers, which most likely belongs to the most anticipated first round matchup group as well. And rightfully so, because on paper, these two teams match up pretty evenly and have exciting lineups to follow. Devils have been the big surprise of this year's NHL campaign and deservedly found themselves from the postseason after a terrific regular season performance. And at this point, I need to make an apology for the Devils fans because I really thought that their flight would have come to its end like Seattle's did in the latter part of the regular season, but I was totally wrong and they've just get their pace and pushed to the postseason ahead of, for example, the veteran bunches of Pittsburgh and Washington. Their young guns have taken big steps this year and Jack Hughes has evolved from a scrawny skilled player to a real offensive catalyst, so pretty much everything has been clicking for this young devil's punch this year. They've been able to beat teams with their speed and have been one of the top teams offensively throughout the year, but on the hindsight, they've allowed a lot of shots against, and against a team like the Rangers, that can't happen because they got the firepower to match it on any given night. And if guys like Kane, Kreider, Tarasenko and Zibanejad catch fire, they will be hard to stop so, Minimizing their scoring chances is going to be a big element in this matchup. They have a healthy lineup to start things off, and goaltending hasn't been an issue this year, so they got all the right ingredients for their battle against the Rangers, but of course, if you start to compare their starting net pointers, it is obvious that the Rangers have the upper hand, so Vanecek has to prove his value in the playoffs as well, because so far his numbers haven't been convincing enough for me to think that he's going to take the goalie battle against one of the best netminers in the entire world. The Blue Shirts as well have a strong regular season behind them and are heading to the playoffs with full steam and have the roster that should certainly scare most teams on the East. They added Patrick Kane and Vlad Tarasenko to their top 6 and as a gift got Nico Mikkola to their back end, so they are certainly one of the cup favorites of this year's playoffs and that should be a pretty obvious statement. Ryan Lindgren has battled with an upper body injury, but should be back for game one. But other than that, they are fully geared for their cup push, and the clear X-factors of this series are going to be the Devils Young star, Jack Hughes, and the Rangers Netmother Igor Sestjerkin, who has brought in his A-game during the last portion of the regular season, and has dragged up his numbers quite a bit from the start. So, pretty much, this will be a straightforward series, which will feature lots of talent and offensive firepower. Therefore, I'm really excited to see if the young devil sponge will be able to challenge one of the cup favorites, and if the Rangers are ready to make a deep playoff push with their new big time acquisitions. And since they were my cup favorites already in the preseason, I'm going to stick to my words and expect them to make it past the first round. After all, the Devils haven't seen playoff action in a few years, and overall, their lineup is very young that is just entering the realm of NHL contender status, so... I believe that Rangers' experience will turn the scale towards them and they end up heading to the second round from this matchup. But there will always be a possibility where the young and excited Devil's Punch surprises us all and takes four wins from this matchup, but that would mean that they will stay out of the penalty box and skate the Rangers to the ground, so I will give them the Punchers' chance, but despite the fact that they won three out of the four regular season matchups, Rangers in five will be my pick from the final Eastern matchup. So in conclusion, Boston in five, Islanders in seven, Toronto in seven and Rangers in six is my pick line from the East first round. Then we move to the West where the first matchup on the board is going to be the first seed Vegas Golden Knights going up against the second wildcard team Winnipeg Jets. The Knights took their season series 3 to nothing and are the big favorite heading into this first-round battle. Jack Eichel is bound to head into first NHL postseason of his career and is equipped with lots of expectations as their number one center. They battled with injuries this year again, but their captain Mark Stone is expected to be back in their lineup right from the get-go. But is he 100% is the question that still remains unanswered. Shea Theodore, Zach Whitecloud, Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill, William Carrier and Riley Smith were out of the lineup at the end of the year so some doubt is attached to their health as well. But the biggest question mark will be tied to their crease as they have to figure out who's going to be their starting netminder when heading to the first game of the series. Both Thompson and Hill are newbies when it comes to postseason hockey whereas Jonathan Quick has the most experience out of these three but his numbers at times have been hard to look at so... The situation isn't as black and white as many expected ahead of this year's NHL campaign. They got stacked lineup when fully healthy, and Chandler Stephenson's emerge as one of the leaders offensively has taken some pressure off of Eichel's shoulders, but still, he is expected to be their number one producer when the puck drops for the first time in T-Mobile Arena. Jets, on the other hand, are a team that still seems to be missing their identity, because... Some nights, they really look like a real cup contender and all their four lines are pulling the same rope, but then on the flip side, at times, they look like a bunch of individuals who are there just to earn their paychecks, and Connor Hellebach has to stand on his head to keep them in games, for the lack of better terms, so they are probably the biggest dark horse team in my papers, because Hellebuck can really take them far if the team in front of him ends up delivering, because they have the firepower to match most of the teams in the West. And I mean, they looked good early on and I was sure that they were going to be one of the top teams of the West this year, but that didn't end up being the case and they just barely made it to the postseason ahead of the Calgary Flames. Nikolai Illers' health is a major concern since in the last game he took a big hit from Ryan Hardman and exited the game afterwards, so if he ends up missing games because of it, the outlook isn't going to be that good for the Jets squad because they will lose a lot of offensive creativity with them. And since they've struggled to score goals and have one of the worst power plays amongst the playoff teams, pretty much I see this matchup as the Golden Knights versus Hellebuck, and the series will be decided upon his individual performances, but if he will be able to shut down the Knights' offense once or twice, the Jets will have a chance to make it past the first round, but if not... I see only one outcome from this matchup, and that is the Knights advancing in six games. Vegas is just a tough place to play in, and they have well-structured lineup featuring hard workers, skilled players and rugged physical guys, so the only worrisome aspect on their part is really their blue paint, but if one out of their trio ends up stepping up and taking the crease, the Knights will lap their way out of the first round and start to get ready to face either the Kings, or the Oilers on the next stage. So Golden Knights is going to be my pick in six games, but I have to highlight the fact that facing Hellebuck in the first round could be one of the worst things that could happen to you, and therefore this isn't going to be a straight-up cakewalk for the Knights, but as I said, I think they are moving on from this series, regardless of Hellebuck's possible heroics. Then we head to Colorado, where the Central's versus Colorado Avalanche Wolf-Faced we'll NHLS newcomer and the first wildcard team Seattle Kraken who make their playoff debut against no other than the defending Stanley Cup champions. Seattle got off to a hot start, but their performance started to fluctuate the further we went into the regular season. But despite that, it's still remarkable how they've made the playoffs without any significant star power and mediocre goaltending at best. So kudos for those guys for making it already this far. But they are facing a team that has faced the adversity and is hungry for another Lord Stanley Trophy, so it is going to be a big challenge for them to advance from the very first round of this year's playoffs. They've been an extremely strong cohesive unit, which has gotten contributions all over the lineup, which has eventually led to their success, and they must go above and beyond in this series, because although... They've been sound defensively and have found the back of the net more often than many would have expected. The playoffs are a totally different beast, and goaltending's meaning cannot be underestimated so. In that sense, they are the underdog in this series, and need to find every bit of strength from within to challenge the high-flying Avs team, who have somewhat miraculously fought their way back on top of the Central Division. And while speaking of adversity... I have to acknowledge the fact that even though most of the abs lineup is now in full health, there are still some concerns regarding for example Kale McCarr who's been fighting with the lower body injury for some time now, and thus might not be 100% when heading to the postseason. Additionally, they will be without their captain Gabriel Landeskog, who wasn't able to make his recovery in time and his outline for the postseason, and even their blue liner Josh Manson's health is a concern, so there are still some obstacles on their way to the cup final. And the big question will be, how many guys can they still lose and still maintain their competitiveness in a tough Western conference? So injuries are their biggest question mark and if they start to pile up in the most crucial time of the hockey season, they can pretty much say goodbye to their cup hopes. Just this year, like of course every year, you need all your guys. And since they lost big pieces last summer, and are already down a man. It could be too big of a challenge to accomplish the back-to-back milestone, so therefore I have moderate expectations for this team, but certainly I expect them to advance from the first round, and my prediction is that it will take them six games to do that. I'm excited to see the Kraken fans for the first time in the playoffs, and I expect Climate Pledge Arena to be one of the loudest barns in the entire league, but... No second round inbound for their team quite yet. And also keep an eye out for Alexander Georgiev because his value for the Avs cannot be underestimated and much relies on his performance when it comes to their long-term playoff hopes. Next up we got another rematch from last year's first round Pacific second seed Edmonton Orders going up against the third seed Los Angeles Kings. Season series between these two ended 2-2, and the Kings are looking to get revenge on what happened last year, but unfortunately happened to be facing the final boss, Mac Drysaddle, which combined for 116 goals and 281 points within 82 regular season games. So, If they got beat by those two guys last year, it is safe to say that it isn't going to be any easier this time around either, Yes, they've been on another planet this year offensively. And scary is the one word that will describe their current offensive form. The simple fact just is that you might be able to shut these two guys down on one or two nights max in a seven-game series. So you have to be absolutely lethal to gain from that situation. But this year, they haven't just been a two-man band because Ryan Nugent Hopkins has elevated his game and finished the year with plus 100 dots to his name, and guys like Jack Hyman and especially Evander Kane have proved to be playoff performers, so you need to be on your best every night to not let the games slip away from you. But what is the one aspect that the Kings could benefit from the most is the fact that Oils yet again heading into the postseason with some doubt about their goaltending guys. Although we know that Stuart Skinner can stop pucks like anyone else on this level and his regular season numbers prove that but since he hasn't been really tested on the playoff ice we don't know if he can handle the pressure and keep them in tight games when it matters the most. Jack Campbell has been as reliable as an office printer and the 5 times 5 contract he signed last offseason looks worse and worse by the day so just like years prior the biggest question mark hasn't really changed for them and until we see some clinical proof of that not being the case, it could be the main reason deciding their fate regarding the Lord Stanley Trophy. Matthias Eckholm has brought some much-needed certainty to their blue line, and has enabled Evan Bouchard to focus more on the offensive side of the puck, but still their blue line isn't completely waterproof, but it certainly isn't in as bad of a shape as it has been during their previous playoff appearances. They've addressed their depth issues as well, which makes them that much harder team to play against. But on the hind side, that is the Kings' best weapon and they can pretty much run three lines against Oils on any given night. So, in that sense, not much has changed in the wide spectrum since the last time these two met in the postseason. Kevin Fiala has been their go-to guy offensively, but has battled with a minor injury as of late. So, the hope for the Kings is that he's 100% when the action starts in Edmonton. Jonas Korpisalo has looked convincing between their pipes and has probably the most expectations attached to him out of their bunch for the playoffs. Their young guns have kept developing, and guys like Kopitar and De are in major roles when it comes down to shutting down the Edmonton's two-headed monster. So this series isn't going to be a throwaway by any means, let me make that clear, right here, right now. Edmonton's power play is lethal and they scored the most goals during the regular season so the Kings don't have the privilege to take stupid penalties and if they end up in a scoring race with these guys 9 out of 10 times they are going to take the L. so they need to pick their battles carefully and make their chances count whenever they end up presenting themselves. But overall, the starting point is fairly similar to last year and the Kings were extremely close to beating the Oilers last year so I don't think no one expects this series to end in 4 games and both teams have for the most part healthy lineups heading into the first game so I'm more than sure that this matchup will bring the heat and we get to see some electric action on the first round. But when it comes to my prediction, simply, I just can't bet against McDavid and Dreisaitl at this point because I know what those guys did already last year while Dreisaitl was playing with one foot so... Now that they are both fully healthy and have this kind of a regular season in their back pocket, I can't see a situation where they can repeatedly shut these guys down while not benefiting from Mike Smith's presence. So, just like last year, I anticipate the Kings to make it tough for them to advance, but eventually the Oilers will pick up their fourth win in game 6 and move onwards to face the Golden Knights on the second round. And then we find the last matchup of the first round, which will feature Central second seed Dallas Stars and the third seed Minnesota Wild. And if something is concrete in this series, it is the fact that this series will be decided on the blue paint. We have last year's playoff phenom Jake Ottinger going up against this year's regular season shooting star Philip Gustafson, who was one of the key elements to Minnesota's successful 82-game campaign. And since Ottinger's numbers haven't really dropped off since last postseason, we can pretty much only anticipate him rising his level for the postseason, whereas Gustafsson has the most to prove in this matchup and can almost single-handedly decide the fate of this series if he ends up giving his level and giving the Wild a chance to advance to the second round of the playoffs. But that is still pretty far from reality at this point, because he needs some serious assistance from his teammates if they aim to take down the high-flying star squad. And when it comes to production responsibility, this side's turn towards Kirill Kaprizov who will match up against Dallas's young superstar Jason Robertson. His numbers dropped quite a bit from last year due to a mid-season injury, but given his last year's great performance in the postseason, the expectations on his part are very high and thus he needs to be the offensive leader alongside his supporting cast of Matt Baldy, Matt Zuccarello and Joel Eriksen Eck. But since both teams match up well against each other, where both teams possess a great amount of depth on their lineup and have game-changing net wonders between their pipes, the games will most likely come down to a very small margins and individual battles will start to matter more and more the further the series advances, while special teams will play a crucial part when deciding the winner of each individual game. What concerns me the most though is the fact that Mini has struggled with scoring this year, and have the worst goals for average amongst all playoff teams. So, when you go up against a team that has firepower on all first three lines, and a goalie, who can straight up win you a game on his own, doubt starts to creep in when you know that each night you play against them will be an absolute war, and you have to battle for each inch of the ice surface. Mason Marchman is currently the only player in the Stars roster with some health concerns, whereas both Joel Eriksson Eck and John Klingberg missed few games from the end to recover for the playoffs, so when the puck drops for the first time in the American Airlines Center, both teams need to be healthy because this will most likely be one of the more draining matchups physically of the entire first round. Both teams like to play the body and possess some heavy hitters, so I'm expecting both teams to be ready for a tough physical battle, but what eventually will tip the scale for me is Dallas' depth on all sides since, like I mentioned, Ottinger is a game breaker in itself. Their first line of robo, hints, and Pavelski has been one of the best in the league for two straight seasons now. Jamie Benn has even tightened up the screws and is looking like his younger self. Meanwhile, Miro Heiskunen has become the blue line leader in Dallas, and has become one of the more underrated elite blue liners of this league within this NHL campaign. So... Those are pretty much the main reasons why I see Dallas walking away from this matchup as the winner. And you also gotta remember that they went to the cup final just a few years ago, so they have the experience bright in their mind as well. And therefore, I say that this series will be over in six games for the stars. What will give them some trouble, but eventually, they will come up top victorious and move to the second round to face the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche. So in conclusion, my picks for the West matchups are going to be Vegas in 6, Colorado in 5, Edmonton in 6, and Dallas in 6. And although the second round matchups are hypotheticals at this point, I might as well go over my entire bracket, because I'll be publishing it to my IG story once this episode is live, so... In the East, the Bruins will go against the Leafs, and... Like years past, Toronto's kryptonite bees will come on top from this matchup, because... I just don't see them losing on home ice to the Leafs after such a successful regular season. And in the second matchup, featuring the Battle of New York, I anticipate the Rangers to move on to the conference finals and taking on the Bruins for the spot in the finals. In the West, Colorado faces Dallas in the second round and due to Colorado's injury concerns and unproven goaltending, I see Dallas marching on to the conference finals and dropping the defending Stanley Cup champs from the race after a tough seven-game series. Meanwhile, in the other matchup where the Golden Knights face up against the Mack Tricidal show, with the way I was praising them just a moment ago, you probably can guess that I see the Oilers getting the upper hand from this matchup and moving on to the conference finals to face the pride of Texas, the Dallas Stars. So the final four for me is going to be the Boston Bruins and the New York Rangers in the East plus Dallas Stars and the Edmonton Oilers in the West. In the Conference Finals, the Oilers will take out the Stars and advance to the Cup Finals. And as the big upset of the playoffs, the Rangers will beat the Bruins in the East and will meet up with the Oilers in the Stanley Cup Finals. Edmonton will have the home ice advantage in this series, but despite that, the Rangers will win the goalie battle and will take the Cup to New York for the first time since 1994. So in conclusion, I will ride with my preseason pick until the very end, just like last year, but as we all know, anything can happen in a 7-game series, and I will chime in before every stage of the playoffs, so I'm going to pick my series winners after every round, but this will be my official pre-playoff bracket, and we'll see how long it lasts until the first L flies my way. Sonico, if you happen to be listening Prepare to invite me over when you bring the cup to Finland. But like I've said multiple times before, I couldn't be more stoked about this year's playoffs because we get extremely exciting matchups right out of the gates and the pace is only going to pick up after the very first round. So all in all, I'm prepared for sleepless nights, but for a very, very good reason. But that is pretty much going to be it for this week. Let me know your picks and who will be your number one pick for the Stanley Cup. I really hope you enjoyed this playoffs breakdown and remember to stop by each week for the latest updates from the ice. Thank you so much for your support. It means a lot to me and if you want to show your support for the show, best way to do that is by giving five star rating for the podcast and by dropping a follow on Spotify and Instagram under the handle the drop underscore pass. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have an awesome week ahead of you because at least I know for sure that I will have one. Stay tuned. Stay safe. Until next time. All right.